Well, we are so glad that you're with us today. We are in the middle of a series. Actually, we're, we're beginning to get toward the end of this series. We're going straight through the book of 2 Corinthians. The series is called Be Encouraged. And today's message is entitled, Proper Credentials. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you want to be turning there, pulling it up on your smartphone or tablet, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to pick up with verse 16. Uh, there was a, a Marine Corps training going on in San Diego. A group of recruits was preparing for a 10-mile march in 100-degree weather, and this Jeep pulls up to, to the group that's about to start the march, and it's got this great big complicated-looking radio in the back of the Jeep. And uh, the drill sergeant uh, walks over to the Jeep, puts his hand up on the radio, and says, who here knows anything about radios? And the recruits were thinking, all right, this is a chance to ride in the Jeep. So they all started raising their hands, right? We know about radios. And they started giving all their credentials about what they knew about radios. One of them said he was a communications major in college. One of them said he worked at a radio repair shop back home. And they were all telling different reasons they should be the one to help out with the radio. And, and then the drill sergeant points at the one that had the best credentials. And he said, you, you carry the radio. <laughs> You got to be careful when you start throwing around your credentials, don't you? You just never know when somebody's going to take you up on it and, uh, and cause you to have to do something that you weren't planning on doing. When it comes to credentials, the Apostle Paul in this letter, remember in the first letter, he'd done a lot of discipline and correction to the church at Corinth. And now at this part of the letter, we saw last week, he started addressing the fact that there were false apostles, false teachers that had come in among the church at Corinth and were, they were creating some doubt about Paul's apostleship and his authority and, and all of that. And Paul had tried not to have to answer that so much directly, but it had gotten so out of hand that Paul knew he had to address this and actually share with the church again some of his credentials to be an apostle. Now, not just to be an apostle, but to be a leader, to be, to be a Christ follower, there are certain identifying marks that ought to be there for us that we could call our credentials as Christians. And so I want to read through a few verses here of 2 Corinthians 11, and then we'll break it down a little bit to some identifying marks or credentials that we ought to have as Christ followers. Let's pick up in verse 16. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool so that I may do a little boasting. See, Paul is trying to do something that a lot of speakers do. I do it quite a bit. He's using some humor and some sarcasm to be able to talk about a serious subject. He's trying to make sure they, he's got their attention and he's, he's lightened the mood a little bit with some humor here. You know, I'm being kind of foolish here, but let, just indulge me for a few minutes while I share with you some of these credentials that I think you need to be reminded of says in verse 17, and this self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. So he's using sarcasm and humor. Now, obviously it's a little bit cutting here because he's, he's already said, like we talked about last week, they've been allowing these false teachers to have influence over them. So he's saying, you've been tolerating some stuff you shouldn't have been tolerating, putting up with some stuff you shouldn't have been putting up with. And I'm going to tell you now why 
you should understand that I am called to be an apostle and qualified to be an apostle. So let's start now looking at, there are several key factors that qualify him and that I think we ought to be able to display as Christ followers too so that we'll have credibility with people when we try to represent Christ in the world today. The first one is having integrity in relationships. Integrity in relationships. If we're gonna wear the name of Christ and represent him in the world like we're called to do, we are his ambassadors, then in our dealing with other people, we need to be people of integrity, people of our word, people who tell the truth, who keep agreements, who, who follow through on what we say we're gonna do. Let's pick up here at verse uh, 20 and 21. Here's what Paul says. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes, you, takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Again, he's using some humor and some sarcasm. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. He's saying to them that these people that they're listening to, these false apostles, they're actually just ripping them off. They're, they're deceiving them. They, they are trying to get, and in fact, most of them, what they were doing was they were trying to get money out of them in the churches to support them personally. So he's saying, you're allowing these people who don't have good integrity to take your money and your allegiance and instead of using it for the good that you know you should get back to and be focusing on. Paul is saying, I, I haven't done that with you. I, I haven't tried to weasel money out of you. I haven't tried to manipulate you to get more money for me personally. I've got more integrity than that, than to treat you that way. And, and so he, he's wanting them to understand that those true apostles, those true leaders for Christ, true Christ followers, they act with people in relationships with integrity. They don't do what these other guys are doing. Now, we all know, we've seen throughout the course of the years we've been on this earth that some people have used Christianity, used other religions too, for their own selfish gain. They, they manipulated people, you know, to, to go buy that new jet they needed to have for sure so they could do their mission work right and all that stuff. Uh, we've seen how people have done this throughout the years, haven't we? And, and Paul is saying, even way back then, that was already going on. People were using the name of Christ, using the church, using Christianity for their own personal gain, and they weren't interacting in relationships with the kind of integrity that God would want us to have. Paul spoke about this in Ephesians 4.25, this relationship integrity that we need to have. He said this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. So as Christians, what should we do? We should be open and honest and truthful with people. That's how we ought to have relationships work if we're going to be representing Christ well in the world. In Colossians 3, 17, he said this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's not just an apostle that is supposed to do this. It's not just the leaders of the church that are supposed to act with integrity. It's all Christians should always do everything as if we're doing it for who? For the Lord. So we need to act with integrity in all of our relationships and interactions 
with other people? Do people know they can trust you, that you tell the truth and that you follow through on your word? Do they, do they know you to be a person of integrity? Well, that's the first identifying mark that he talks about, that, that they need to see these false apostles don't have that integrity and you shouldn't be giving them your attention or your loyalty or certainly not your money and uh, what they're trying to get you to do. Well, there's a second mark of integrity and that's a willingness to sacrifice for what you believe in. A willingness to sacrifice. Let's look at verse 22 here again. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have constantly been on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from this, in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Whoa. You see, these false apostles were saying, oh, we need your money. We need your support because we're just, we're just doing, giving up so much for the cause of Christ, right? Paul said, you want to have a list of what sacrifices I've made for Christ? When you read through that list, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read through that list, I've read it a lot of times, I almost feel a little ashamed of how I've complained about things over the years. I mean, think about that. We complain, you know, I can't sit in the auditorium because it's too cold in there, right? Well, if you know that, you might want to bring a sweater if it's too cold for you, right? It's too loud. Well, we have earplugs available if you need them. That pastor's too short. Well, we can't do anything about that. <laughs> That's one we can't fix, right? Uh, yeah, I can get something to stand on. Thanks, thanks, Tony. Uh, always trying to help, buddy. Thank you. Christians in Afghanistan right now, think about them, right? Taliban ruling, other terrorist groups rising up again there. Some of them have already suffered some consequences for meeting together as a church. We don't have all accurate reports, we know that, but there are some reports of some already being executed for their faith. But they chose to assemble as a church anyway. They chose to stand up for Christ under those conditions. You talk about integrity in your faith. You talk about credentials of a committed Christian. Those guys got the credentials, don't they? And yet we use all kinds of lame excuses for not being connected or involved or serving or giving while others are making tremendous sacrifices for the cause of Christ. 
One of the things that would give the church a lot more credibility in our culture is when they saw the church in America willing to sacrifice like the church sacrifices in other parts of the world. It would give us a lot more credibility here in America too. When we're willing to sacrifice financially, sacrifice time, sacrifice energy, uh, sacrifice using our gifts in a way that may not be profitable directly to us, but be beneficial to the kingdom. When people see Christians doing that, it adds credibility to us as Christ followers. In Mark 8, 35, Jesus said this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. When he says lose your life, it's not necessarily mean you have to die physically, but it means to give up, make sacrifices for the gospel, for the kingdom. We need to understand the kingdom of God is an upside down kind of kingdom where those who are willing to serve and sacrifice are really the ones that he sees as the leaders in the work of the kingdom. So we, we need to know that that's an identifying mark that we need to have as Christians. There's a willingness to sacrifice. There's a third one, and it's connected to that, and that is support for the church. Let's look at verse 28 and 29 again. Paul says, besides everything else, he's just listed all those things he's gone through. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Paul is saying, I I want you to understand how much I love and care for the church. That's why I've been willing to sacrifice. That's why I've been willing to give up those things. That's why I've been willing to go through beatings and imprisonments. It's because I love the church so much. I love you. I love the work of the kingdom so much. There's this trend, and especially in the American church today, to be critical of the church all the time. People who wear the name of Christ and who belong to churches are just talking bad about the church, picking it apart, negative all the time. The church is not perfect. If you're looking for things to criticize, will you be able to find them? You know why? The church is made up of what? People. And people are what? And given enough time and opportunity, what can we do? There you go. You know the routine. That's the way it works. Here's the thing, though. A church that's doing the work God has called them to do will always be messy. Always. There will always be failures and flaws. You know why? Because we're reaching lost people and we're having to bring them in and help them to grow up and mature. And people are at all different stages of their walk with Christ and maturity. And so people are going to keep messing up and we're going to have to keep teaching and bringing people to repentance and confession and and, and recommitment of their lives. That's going to happen over and over again. If we're doing the real work of the church, it's going to be messy all the time. There's not going to be everything's great all the time. If we're really doing the work of the church, it's not. But we like it nice and clean and at least on the surface where it looks like it's that way, right? Where we're not having to deal with all that messy junk that people actually are dealing with in their lives, even when they put on the nice smile at church. Friends, behind all those smiles and all the cleanup and nice clothes and all that, there's mess going on in everybody's lives. 
and a real church doing the real work of God is going to be engaged in messy work all the time. So instead of criticizing that, we should be celebrating that, that we have a church that's doing that. We have a church that's working through the problems, a church that's helping people deal with failure and and heartache and and loss and all of the hard things that we have to go through in life. But we're also celebrating the good things along the way, too. It's just all part of the messy work of the kingdom of God. John 11, 35, Jesus said this, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you do what? If you love one another. If you love one another, you don't just love one another when the other person's doing everything you want them to do the way you want them to do it. That's not love. That's selfishness. That's selfishness. If you're going to be known as the disciples of Jesus, then the identifying mark we need to have is how we love one another. He's talking to, the, to people who are Christ followers there, who are, going to, who are going to be connected to Christ. He's saying, you're going to stand out in the world by how you love each other. That's how they're going to know you belong to me. Not how you criticize each other, not how you pick each other apart, not how you tear down the church, but by how you love one another. That's how you're going to be known as disciples of Jesus. I want to take just a moment, and you may want to write these down. Get out something to write with if you don't have it now. Go ahead and get something to write with if you hadn't already got it. At home, Smarter Campus, get something to write with. I know some of you ladies got some eyeliner, lipstick, something like that. Get something, all right? Write down these six ways, practical ways, you can show love for God's church, okay? Six ways. First, Commit to attending services regularly, even if it has to be online right now. However it happens, make sure you stay connected. Don't neglect it. Don't don't let it slip. Don't let it slide, even during COVID. Don't don't let it go by the wayside. Stay consistent with this. If you love something, you invest in it, right? If you love the church, you'll invest in it. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, it says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Then he says this, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He says, you have a responsibility to connect with other Christ followers, not just for you, but because you are supposed to be encouraging them. That's your calling as a Christ follower is to connect with those people to be an encouragement to those people, not to criticize, not to tear down, not to hurt the church, but to build it up and make it stronger by encouraging others who are trying to follow Christ too. Make sure that when you commit to being involved and attending services regularly, you're doing it with the attitude of encouragement of others. Life groups too. We're emphasizing some new life groups starting up. Uh, some are restarting again the week of September the 12th. Uh, we want you to be in a life group. That's one of the places you get connected to each other and grow together and encourage one another, support each other through the junk of living in this world. It's important for you to commit to that connection. Secondly, give consistently to the work of the kingdom. Well, he's a pastor. He's going to talk about money, right? Well, yes, exactly. Because that's how we accomplish a lot of the work of the kingdom. Paul sacrificed greatly for the kingdom because he believed in it. If you believe in God and his church, you'll be willing to sacrifice for it. 
You'll be willing to invest in it, even from a financial standpoint. Now, nobody can tell you what's a sacrifice for you. You have to decide that for yourself. But are you willing to sacrifice time and energy and, yes, money to support the work of the kingdom? Are you willing to do that? Because that's love. That's what love does. I love what he said. Remember earlier in this chapter, we looked at it already in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. And he says to do it this way, not reluctantly or under compulsion because God loves a what? Cheerful giver. <laughs> Have fun with this, guys. It's great to be able to do it. And look at the impact that you're making when you do it. You invest in CFR or you allow our church to partner and invest with CFR. We're helping churches all over the country when we do that. You invest in the work of the kingdom here. Families are got a place to raise up their children where they'll be taught about Jesus because you're giving and supporting the work here. We're able to help young people that are in high school hold on to their faith through the challenges that they're facing. We're able to, to minister to adults that are going through divorce or, or illness or death and feeling loss and they need comfort and support. We're able to do those things because you support the work financially. Give consistently, but here's one that I think we've dropped the ball on a lot in the American church and that is care for hurting people yourself. Don't just write a check and give it to the church and say, I did my part now. I needs to go deeper than that. See, that's part of being connected to a life group, to being connected to smaller groups within the church. You get to know each other. You know about what's going on in people's lives, and you can reach out and help them and pray for them and support them through those struggles that they're going through. We've got life groups right now that have members going through cancer, members that have just lost loved ones to death, and that group comes around them and loves on them and helps them through that. You say, well, the church didn't do that for me, but you weren't connected to a group where they knew about what was going on in your life. If you're not connected, people are going to just know. And you're not going to have those relationships with people that are built in those smaller groups where they really know you well and you know them well. That can't happen just by attending on Sunday mornings. It doesn't work that way. There's got to be something deeper than that going on, a deeper connection that's made for those kinds of relationships to develop where you care for hurting people. Galatians 6.2, Paul said, carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We need to be there for each other to carry each other's burdens. COVID has made this harder than ever before, hasn't it, for us to be there for each other and carry each other's burdens. Because we've had to be distant some. We've had to be separated some. Don't let that take you away from caring for hurting people. There's still steps you can take, ways you can reach out and help and minister to other people. Here's another step. Respect and support the leaders of your church. And I'm not just talking about me as the pastor, though I appreciate that very much when people do that. I'm talking about all the leaders not just at Lakeshore, but in the church corporately too. Respect and support the leaders who are willing to step out there, put their necks on the line, take the risk and make the sacrifices to lead out in the work of the kingdom. It's not easy work. And again, COVID has made it harder than it's ever been before to be in that role. The leaders need your love and support and your respect when they're trying. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they do to love and respect. You don't have to agree with people to love and respect people, do you? You don't have to agree with every decision they make.
to still show love and respect to them. You can choose to do that. And he's calling on us to do that. In Hebrews 13 and verse 17, it says this, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden for what uh, for that would be of no benefit to you. You want leaders in the church who love doing it because they get the love and the respect that God calls for them to have. Therefore, they love being leaders in the church because of that. The scriptures are clear on this. We need to show love and respect to our leaders. But here's the last two. Maintain a good reputation yourself, even outside the church. Sometimes you could pull off this dual life where in the church you may have a pretty good reputation, you know, among the church people. But out in the community, that's not so much the case. The language you use, the coarse jokes that you tell or participate in, the gossip that you participate in, all of those things. You see, they take away from your integrity as a Christ follower. They take away from representing Christ well outside the gatherings of the church. But see, you are the church, not just when we're in here. You are the church out there, too. You represent Christ out there. So you need to represent Christ well by maintaining a good reputation. In Ephesians 4.1, he said, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. That's not just by attending church. That's how you act outside of the assemblies of the church. Live a life worthy of of the calling that you've received. And finally, speak positively about the church. Speak positively about the church. We do uh, surveys with new people at our church a lot, at our, like at our welcome lunch and times like that. We, we ask people, how did you first find out about Lakeshore? How did you first connect to Lakeshore? And there's a lot of different ways. I saw the sign or uh, I searched online. We get a lot of people that search us out online and they watch a, uh, an online service or something for the first time. But you know still what the overwhelming number one thing that is most impactful and influential for people finding their way to back to church or to church for the first time it's a friend who spoke positively about their church and invited them to come. That's the number one evangelistic tool that the church has, is people speaking positively about the church they're connected to, the church family they belong to. Instead of criticizing it, if you're bragging on it, how much more attractive do you think that's going to be to people who aren't part of the church now? How much more influence do you think that will have in bringing people to the church of Jesus Christ? You see, God wants to use us to help other people connect. Think about this in Ephesians 5, verse 25. It's a verse that's often used to talk about marriage, and it is talking about marriage, but it's not primarily even talking about marriage. It's talking about Christ in the church. Here's what it says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus loves his church. And if we're connected to Jesus, how should we feel about the church? We should love it like he loves it. You see, the church is his bride. It goes on to talk about how he sees the church as without spot or blemish, as a beautiful bride. 
It doesn't mean there are no problems in the church. Jesus knows every detail of every part of the mess of our lives. And still he looks at the church as his beautiful bride. How should we look at the church? As the beautiful bride of Christ. We should love the church. And be willing to give ourselves up for the church the way Jesus was willing to give himself up for the church. Well, the fourth identifying mark. Oh, by the way, I, I wanted to bring this up just because we got some more in now. This is a little thing. You don't have to do this, but I've got it on a wristband. I wear it all the time. It says, I love my church. It's got the Lakeshore website on it. We got some more in now. So after the service, they'll be out there at the information counter. If you don't have one or if you want one, you can take one. They're free. You could take one. They weren't free to us. You know, you gave your offerings. But they're free for you to take one and wear it around if you want to. Now, you don't have to. I have found this a good conversation starter. When I'm sitting down and having a meeting with somebody and, you know, I have my hand up on the table, just by chance, you know, with, with that up there. And, and they see that and they ask questions about it, right? They see that there's something on there. What does that say? And it says, I love my church, right? So you can wear that out. Now, you don't have to do that, you know. If you want to go to hell, that's your choice. But uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I'm joking. But it's just one more way. Uh, uh, we were at, oh, I want to thank everybody that helped out with our uh, summer celebration yesterday out at Camp YI. It went great. But, but I showed up there with my Connect Grow shirt on, right? Uh, and and uh, four other people right away came up with shirts like that on. And I said, I'm so embarrassed. We showed up at the party wearing the same thing, right? <laughs> but I see people all over the community and everywhere you live and work and serve in the Smyrna campus and online people, I see you out in the community and a lot of you are wearing Lakeshore shirts and, and things like that. That's just part of that. I love my church. I want you to know about my church. I'm thankful for my church. We need to speak well about the church because the church is the answer they need for their lives. They're only going to find it through the church. We need to represent and speak well of the church. And the last identifying mark is this, humility and service. Paul said, I hated having to brag like this, right? I felt like I got to give you these credentials because of what's happening, but I don't want to be a bragger. I want to be a humble servant. Look at verse 30 again to 33. He says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is praised forever, knows that I'm not lying in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lured in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. He says, guys, I just want to serve. I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll make whatever sacrifice I need to make. I just want to serve. He was so grateful for his own salvation. He was so grateful for what God had done for him and how God had delivered him into the kingdom that he just wanted to serve. He said in Philippians 3, verse 7, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He said, yeah, I gave up a lot of things to go follow Jesus, but you know what? I'm better off having given those things up to have Jesus. I'm better off with Jesus than with those things. He just wanted to be a humble servant because he recognized the value of what he had as a Christ follower, the value of his salvation in Christ. In Matthew 20, verse 25, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he said this. He called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. 
Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we're going to grow up to be like Jesus, Jesus did not come to be served, but to what? But to serve, to give his life as a ransom for us all. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have the example of Paul and the greater example even of Jesus who laid themselves down for the cause that they believed in with all their hearts. Because of that, we're able to be here today as your church, knowing salvation, knowing the blessings that come with being a follower of Christ, knowing the provision you have, the love you have for us, the the faithfulness you have to us. Father, we're so blessed to be able to be part of the church that Jesus died for. Help us to represent you well. And if there's anyone today who who wants to enter into your kingdom through your church, that today they would be willing to take that step. And Father, they would begin to live out that calling you have on them to represent you well in the world. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.